I think the first movie I saw in theaters, I, I think it was The Lion King. Oh, uh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> that opening is killer. Hey, everyone. Johnny Brush here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and your generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. There are so many stories out there and so many ways to consume, absorb, and unpack them all. We're all a part of a big story, but the narrative structure is designed in such a way that you're destined to feel connected to it, both communally and and internally. But how do stories, both new and old, relate to the truths we read about in Scripture and elevate biblical themes within their narratives? Themes like love, sacrifice, redemption, fruits of the Spirit can all be translated into one collective experience. I'm Chandler Patterson, and I'm joined by my good friend and one of our worship pastors, Johnny Brush. Hey, everybody. We're starting the conversation of exploring why storytelling is important, while also giving you examples of correlations in Scripture, as well as in the medium of filmmaking. And oftentimes, we'll we'll intersect the two by talking about faith in film with some direct gospel takeaways from all the stories and movies that we love. So stick around to the end of the episode as we briefly talk about a favorite story in Scripture and then three personal favorite movies, maybe even Desert Island movies, if you will. Yeah, um, I'm really excited uh, about that part of the podcast. Um, the uh, The current climate of storytelling, as it pertains specifically to filmmaking in movies, is all over the board. Uh, but oftentimes, whether a filmmaker even tries to or even realizes it, a lot of theological elements act as the backbone of their narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, we recognize that several studios outright don't acknowledge truth and might even be anti-gospel in some cases, but oftentimes truth actually holds up their stories, whether they realize it or not. And uh, here's why all of this is important and crucial to our lives. Um, Recognizing truth and examining biblical themes helps us reshape our thinking in a way that points back to Jesus Mm. and His work in our lives. Uh, sharing our stories actually does the exact same thing, and our goal is to potentially get listeners to begin thinking in a way that allows them to experience various content through the lens of the gospel while also encouraging them to share their own story. Uh, yes, even even scary movies Uh-oh, can do that's that. the genre <laughs> we don't speak of. <laughs> yeah, uh, they can, and they, they have utilized redemption in their narratives. Uh, an important thing to note is that we're not idolizing storytelling, but mm-hmm. simply recognizing it as a basis for connecting with and relating to people in our circles and even beyond that. Uh, it's something that appeals to the masses, mm-hmm. and our goal is to capitalize on that intrigue in the context of the Christian life. So good. I love looking at movies, stories, all those things from a gospel lens perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we get asked just by watching movies, you know, if our takeaways are driven solely by just watching it from a biblical lens and that kind of perspective. Uh, we get asked those questions all the time just by being avid movie watchers, but I think it's important to bring some awareness to that. Yeah, and it, it kind of um, enhances the story. It makes it even better as yeah. a believer when you're watching it and you're realizing, hey, this is bigger than just the story that I'm watching right now. This is hinting at the story, you know, the 
it goes beyond itself. Right. Yeah, there are more personal stories that are a little more obvious and on the nose about it, but I think from just going into, like, regardless of the rating of the film, you can go in and recognize and pull stuff out that might be considered biblical and theolo- yeah, the- theological. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a question we can be thinking about together. Uh, I know we've been thinking about it a little bit, but what's one thing you'd say that you can't get enough of when it comes to storytelling? And would you say is, like, there a personal experience attached to that? Uh, yeah, it's borderline impossible <laughs> um, to answer that question. Yeah. Just especially just one thing, because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many things about storytelling that are fantastic, and there's so many mediums of storytelling that make each experience of that story so special. Yeah. Um, but to me, just in general, uh, what stories are all about is exploring the human experience of you know what it means to exist and what it means to be human, mm-hmm. uh, and that's you know that's where Scripture starts. It's with who is God, what has He done. Yeah. And he's made people. Who are they? What's their role in his world? And so whatever way that you're experiencing a story, almost always you can put yourself in that story. Yeah. Because what you're watching and what you're experiencing is someone going through a human experience. And it takes very little work to feel that with the characters because we're human too and we see ourselves in that. And as we're watching it, when there's joy in a character or conflict or struggle, solutions, whatever it is, uh, we've all experienced a taste of what that character is going through. Yeah, And I think really what that does to the human heart is it kind of helps you dig down deeper into why you exist Mm -hmm. and, you know, why you wake up in the morning. What is this all about? What does life even mean? Mm -hmm. And the more stories we watch or read, even video games sometimes have these stories where it's like, you know, the more I engage in that, the more I get closer to the heart of what it means to be alive and what it means to exist. Yeah. You know, and I, I think naturally, if you stay on that path, uh, you'll arrive at the conclusion of, I exist for someone else. Yeah. And that's the Lord. That's right. Yeah, my thing is, you know, whatever the content is and, you know, authors, I, I just don't think their intentions to manipulate you to feel something, right. maybe in some cases, like that might be the motive, uh, but I think ultimately it's to, f- it's to feel connected, to feel a bigger sense of human connection, yeah. like, like you've mentioned. But in the process of doing that, you can find any theological elements that are takeaways, and that's a huge win. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you can start doing that if you can. Uh, if you don't do that now, I, I highly recommend that you do. Just look for those things. Look for redemptive themes within those stories. Um, like I said earlier, it's a little on the nose with certain things that are on the basis of Christian narratives and Christian literature, like C.S. Lewis and all that. Uh, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, and you know, if you if you can find a story where the main character is, I don't know, born into poverty yeah. or is an underdog and rises to the top and right. finds out that they're the hero who's going to give their life for people, you're like, hey, I I think I've heard it's, this story before. It sounds a lot yeah. like Jesus. You it's know? recognizable. Yeah, it's like the Lemiz narrative. All those kinds of stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if there's a story that has this, even anti-heroes too, and there's a massive component of redemption in those narratives as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, that seems to be kind of the popular narrative in a lot of TV shows and movies and yeah. books right now is these characters that the story writers almost embrace their flaws and accentuate them a little bit to mm-hmm. make them this anti-hero, which <laughs> even in a way you go, well, I can definitely see myself in that character. Right. And you know, it gives you hope to think, you know, well, if that character can find redemption from their wrongdoings or whatever, maybe I can too. And even stories like that, like we mentioned before, are, you know, the stories that are strictly anti-truth, 
um, they they find a way, even in a, a backwards way, of mm-hmm. communicating that reality, a, a need for a savior That's or right. your own need for redemption. True, very true. Yeah, even um, that in and of itself can can be this meditation on, you know, this is what the world believes. Yeah. You know, these these studios that are anti-truth mm-hmm. or these ideas that you know go d- directly against what we believe. Right. Um, it's an opportunity to meditate on what that is. Yep. You know that this is what the world believes, and you know as I'm experiencing this, maybe it's a depressing movie, yeah. or it's a hopeless TV show, or right. whatever. You go, this is what reality is like apart from Jesus. Yeah, and it's kind of this moment to meditate on that reality apart from Jesus. This is what I would be like, or what the world would be like. You know? Yeah, very true. Yeah, some people live there <clears throat> and they stay in that depressive state, but most movies typically won't leave you there, which is very important. Like, they give you a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, some scary movies do, which is kind of part of their shtick of just leaving you yeah. in that depressed state. Uh, they're going to leave you leave you there, but most movies that even contain really tough, depressing content will give you at least a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Even um, The Gray. Yeah, The Gray. This is a little deep 2000, cut 2011. Here. Yeah, yeah, a little deep cut <clears throat> here, but yeah. uh, Chandler and I actually just watched the movie The Gray together mm-hmm. starring Liam Neeson. Yes. Uh, it's so dark, it's so bleak the whole time. Um, heavily yeah, it's about, about death. It's about, <laughs> <laughs> it's about death. Yeah. Uh, and there's just this quick little whisper of hope right at the end. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, most movies will do that. They'll get you to a place where there's some kind of hope. Even, yeah. even horror movies will do that. Most of them have this redemptive arc that mm-hmm. happens, you know? So good. That's great. So in, in one takeaway, as far as what you can't get enough of about it, or when would you say a love for storytelling began? Like, what's your personal journey in that? Yeah. Um, man. So movies specifically, you know, like I've I've always loved movies and as far as I can remember, you know, not just for the storytelling aspects. I've always found it really fascinating mm-hmm. how the score would work with a specific scene or, you know, how an actor, depending on how they delivered a scene, could enhance the quality of a movie or not. Mm-hmm. Cinematography's always been huge for me. Um, I love looking at how shots are framed. But it, it really wasn't until, well, there's two movies specifically that really mm-hmm. woke me up to the beauty of storytelling. And that's uh, the movie Signs Preach by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> favorite movie of all yeah, time. It's a good one. Uh, and then another one was Children of Men. Yes. Um, I can't remember the director of um, that movie. I think it's Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron? Cuaron. Cuaron? Uh, yeah, that mm. sounds right. You I'm going to believe you on that. I think you might have said that right. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, the way those movies are structured is they're so character-centric. Yeah. Uh, kind of focuses on a single person or a specific family or the story itself. Like the conflict in the story is the character itself. And, you know, in Children of Men, um, the concept of the movie was like for the past 18 years, you know, no one has given birth to another human. Mm -hmm. So the human race is slowly dying out. They don't know why, but for some reason women can't get pregnant anymore. Yeah. And it's following this bleak, hopeless story and there's this one man who finds this girl. Uh, she's the first girl in 18 years on planet Earth to get pregnant. Wow. She's literally carrying the hope of the human race in her womb. And I remember uh, as I watched it in eighth grade or ninth grade, whenever I first saw it, I immediately was like, that's like Jesus. Yeah. You Even know, as like, a middle schooler, you were like, that's a Jesus yeah. comparison. And it, was, it was kind of this breakthrough moment. I realized, man, stories, this movie clearly isn't trying to serve the Lord or tell the gospel, mm-hmm. but they are are carrying this good news yeah. of like 
could one human really be the yep. hope of the human race? Yep, that's right. Yeah, and Signs, too, you know, it's my number one movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Story of a man who lost his faith because of tragedy and because of even more tragedy, finds it again. Yep. And I don't know, I, I kind of had a light switch moment with those two movies where I was like, man, the power of story is unlike a lot of things that we can experience. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll probably talk about those more a little bit uh, with some more episodes. I won't come back if you don't. <laughs> I, I'll quit my job. Yeah. Well, those specific movies, they definitely stand out more in terms of just dealing with faith <laughs> and overcoming yeah. a lot of diff- difficult scenarios in life and letting faith be the prominent factor and keeping the faith in the midst of that. Yeah. Well, uh, what about you, dude? Um, when did storytelling do something to you that you love? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't... It's it's funny. I don't remember a specific time where I just I didn't love it. You That's know, it's cheap. It's a cheap it's answer. A cheap answer, Chandler. It's a cop out. Well, <laughs> my my upbringing was surrounded by like bicycle motocross and like all those things and soccer, like exports. Yeah, yeah, all those things. We we played soccer growing up. We were when we were at home, we were wearing cowboy boots, cowboy boots, and going out and riding BMX. Uh, outside of the home, we it's were a playing soccer. There. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird combo, but it was yeah. fun. But um, that's that's just kind of how we were brought up. But in the midst of that. I carried around the classic VHS tapes with me all the time. Like, I have a vivid memory of being at my grandmother's house, and there's a picture of it, too, which is super fun. Uh, it's, it was Easter Sunday. We're all dressed up, got our suits and all that stuff on, uh, and dresses and whatnot. And there's a picture of me with the group of my cousins and my brothers, and I'm holding a VHS copy of 101 Dalmatians. Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. So I, I need some clarity on this. Um, <laughs> so were you carrying it around in hopes that you could watch it? I, dude, or was I, it just like a toy? Like you were like, I just want to have it. It was a combination. Like just in case we go to someone's house, I'm like, hey, can we pop this tape in real quick? You got a VHS player? I kind of want to watch this movie. So I've always loved it. Like it's just there's something that yeah. I wanted to take with me, and it was a story that I was really drawn to. It was almost, almost like someone, you know, a, a kid that might get attached to like a book or something. Yeah, like a, a VHS was, was my thing. Um, so as far as like moments go, I think the first movie I saw in theaters, I, I think it was The Lion King. Oh, uh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> that opening is killer. Yeah. I think that's the first time I went to the theater and watched a movie. And do that movie just as an animated movie is great, but as a story, incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's unreal. The score. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Get yeah. out of here, Hans Zimmer. But it's an incredible story <laughs> of just that redemptive narrative of someone that's kind of abandoning what they're called to. Um, so even as a kid, I remember being mesmerized, but that by that movie and really seeing at a young age the gospel shine in that story. Yeah, and, you know, anytime you hear the phrase "the king has returned," yeah, yeah, yeah. in a movie, you're like, "Oh, this sounds familiar." Yeah, the baboon literally says, "You won't find him here," yeah. as if he's resurrected. I'm like, "Come on, now. the like, prophet, is, the prophet Rafiki." Yeah, this is all pointing to Jesus. So yeah. I love that. Like at a young age, being tied to movies and storytelling, and my brothers and parents will tell you to this day that. I was the black sheep in that way. Like, I just, I loved that component. You're I a was nerd. such a nerd, dude. You were the nerd. I, and I embraced it. Like, I didn't care. Like, you know, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't going out to ride my bike all the time, <laughs> but I was watching movies. So, yeah. Was it always movies for you? Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed reading and I had some audio books that I listened to as a kid. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like why I'm into like radio production and podcasts and stuff like that yeah. today. Um, but man, if we were in a grocery store or a Walmart or a Sam's, and we even hinted at walking by the movie section. I was just scoping it out. You just dude. You, you get the chills. Yep. You could feel it in the air. <clears> like I, could I feel gotta it. find something. I was like, Can we get one and take it home yeah. with us? Because my mom and dad were always like, "You guys are so lucky." Like we just we saw it in the theater, like whatever the movie was, and that was it. And for us, 
it was like we could buy it and take it home and man that was that was huge that's kind of an interesting thing to think about that like i wonder how that's changed you know how mm-hmm. we view movies yeah and, you know just the content of mm-hmm. all the narrative that we have mm-hmm. is that it used to be like especially with movies you yeah. had this one opportunity yeah to experience this thing which is why they then, were flooding like theaters yeah were they were packed out yeah, and yeah. then if you experienced it together as a family or friends you know you all you could talk about is what you remember yeah it's not like oh let's go see this again you know yeah so that's cool yeah you can bring the magic home now <laughs> it's really incredible it's part of my brain yeah uh for me there's this unique thing that happened to like early high school when uh, i started falling in love with storytelling i kind of carried it a little further and was like what if what if this is actually what it means to be in community with people yeah is to share your stories with one another mm-hmm. and so i began asking people instead of saying tell me about yourself i would use the language of story i would say tell me tell me your story where were you born yep what has your life been like and you know even as a pastor now uh that's most of what i do if i meet one-on-one with people and i haven't met them before i'll say hey tell me your story uh, because without even realizing that people are you know we're living a story we're living in god's story and we've been invited into his yep and in order to really truly get to know someone it's not just you know tell me your hobbies mm-hmm. um necessarily and things that you like but it's what have you lived what story right. have you written and in what ways have you begun to partake in god's story in your own story and in your own life yeah so yeah hobbies can connect us but it's it's, it's deeper than that like yeah. there's more meaning to it I, I thought about it too the process of sharing your story too you know, asking someone that a lot of the time people are hesitant because there's just a lot of vulnerability and transparency and sharing just because of past experiences and whatnot. And I was telling our communications team the other day that the process of going in and sharing, especially if someone asks you like, what's your story? It's never a moment of confession. Like you can't really treat it that way. Right. It's more of a recognition of the past and an appreciation for the present, like appreciating what God's done through, through all the pain and, and the struggle. And that's crucial. Uh, that worldview of sharing your story, uh, you can't look at it as, as if something that you're confessing because it might feel that way. But when you get to a place where you can acknowledge what's happened and appreciate what God's done through that, it'll help you in your spiritual growth. Yeah, it's I mean, it's an incredible opportunity yeah. anytime you get to share your story. And each believer's story is really, I mean, really what you're doing is you're telling the gospel over again yeah. in an individual way. You know, what the gospel has done for me. Mm-hmm. And the unique thing for believers mm-hmm. is... You know, the end of the story's already been written. We mm-hmm. know where this is going. And so you don't you don't get that a lot in movies, mm-hmm. especially with all the sequels we have. We're like, is this really over? Right. You know, there's just so many more. Yeah. You're waiting for where it's going to go. And it's this unique thing that as you're living out your story, you can always think back, I, I know exactly where this is going to mm-hmm. go. I know that the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him. And you know, when we sing It Is Well, oh, man. you go, Man, we've got this in our heads. Each day, yeah. you know, I know where this is going. The tears are brewing in that yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like no matter what part of your story you're telling or rehearsing or currently living, you have that anchored hope no matter what. To be able to watch a movie or read a story and feel that hope being written into a story, that's that's when I really love movies oh, or yeah. whatever narrative I'm I'm engaging in. I'm like, man, they're they're getting to the hope part. Right. Here we go. You, know? you have to, you have to wade through that mud right. and the muck to get to the hope. Which Absolutely, is a crucial part. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth, you know, it's all worth it in order to get to that spot, like the redemption mm-hmm. in that in that area. Um, so I know we talked about a couple, uh, but what would you say uh, is one go-to story 
in all of Scripture. And mm-hmm. then from there, we'll we'll go to three immediate like go to movies off the top of your yes, head. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, I could say the story of Jesus. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of the one. <laughs> it's all pointing but, uh, to him. So, <laughs> yeah, I could do that. You know, the Bible project. Like, it's all one story about <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, the the one that I kind of go to a lot in my own personal life is the story of Job. Mm-hmm. That can sound depressing, like I think I, my life is terrible, but is, yeah, uh, it's rather that the story is just so epic. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's one of the most known stories in the Bible. I believe it was the first book of the Bible that mm. was written. It's one of the oldest stories in history. Yeah. Um, even in non-believing circles, they go, yeah, we've we've heard about the story in the Bible where that one guy who loves the Lord gets really beat up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah he, he really goes through it. Yeah, he does. So. Yeah. It's kind of a tough deal, but there's a specific moment mm-hmm. in the story uh, that I harp on a lot in chapters 38 through 40, where um, God kind of reads his resume to Job. He lists out all the things <laughs> he's done. It's it's right when Job finally snaps and kind of lashes out at the Lord, and mm. the Lord responds to him with, Hey, uh, Job, quick question. Uh, have you ever commanded lightning where to strike? <laughs> and you know, it's silence, because this is kind of an obvious rhetorical question. Yeah. You know, absolutely not. I haven't. And, you know, he, he asked, like, do you move the stars in their season? Have you formed galaxies? Have you done all these things? Mm. And at the end of it, uh, I believe there's over 60 rhetorical questions that the Lord asked Job. Yeah. And at the end, Job's response is, I'm clearly of little account. I'm, I'm so small. <laughs> and he just says, I lay my hand on my mouth and I say nothing more. It's so sad and humorous at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> So you're like, I- I've like, been there before. Yeah, yep. I got nothing to say. Yep. And it's just this response of, you know, when you come face to face with how little you are mm-hmm. and how infinitely massive God is, yeah. there's really only one response, and it's awe and a holy fear and a silence before Him. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a ton in my own life because anytime I feel that pride creeping up, it, it happens very rarely. I'm an incredibly humble person. <laughs> but from time to time, I'll feel that pride creeping up where I'm yeah. like, Lord, didn't you say you'd do this? Or, you know, you'd promise that you'd deliver your children. Why aren't you acting? Why aren't you doing what you said you would? And right. and I feel the Lord going, hey, have you done all these things, Johnny? Have you written history itself? <laughs> no. And, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's clearly just this quiet, no, I have I, not the answer is so obvious. Yep. And, you know, as the, t- the tears go down my cheeks, I I feel that command of, you know, it's, it's a gentle command, but it's be still. Know that I'm God, you're not. Yep. You know, so I, I just love that yep. story. It's so impactful. And it's cool that it's like one of the first that we hear about in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. I, I think my go-to, and I always come back to it, and it's it's another epic, another epic story, and it's Moses. Oh, um, yeah. In a similar experience <laughs> where he experienced God, like in the form of the burning bush, going off to find the lost sheep. And in that moment, God calls him to go free his people. Mm. And his hesitation of just like the doubt, and like, man, I, I I can't speak to these people. Like his inability to communicate well, um, it really resonated with me as a kid. And even to this day, uh, in that moment, he's like, I'm nobody. Like, how can I speak to Pharaoh in Egypt? How am I going to do this? And <laughs> You know, as if the Lord was like, yeah. oh, I didn't know you had a speech yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have picked someone else. I had else. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, God's yeah. using that in that moment, and he does the same thing. He's, he questions him. He's like, who made the mouth of man? God. I did it. And yeah, dude, I you get remember, chills. You remember the scene in Prince of Egypt? Oh, yes, dude. Val Kilmer. Come on Is now. Is that who did that voice? Yeah, so he was the voice of God, and he was the voice of Moses. So it's kind of like a fun parallel there. I did not know that. Super fun. Fun fact. That is a fun. <laughs> yeah. fun. But... Not only that moment, but the whole story. Like it's it's an epic of going through trial after trial, and then Moses 
you know, also trying to keep a king near to, to listen and obey the Spirit of God in those moments of following him by day and night, and then you get to the one moment where he disobeys and he doesn't get to go into the Man. promised land. It's a tragedy. Yeah. What What is the uh, the Pixar movie with the two brothers? It's Onward. Onward. <clears throat> yes. And he doesn't get to... To, like, spend time with his dad. To spend Spoiler time with his dad. Alert. He doesn't Spoiler get to alert. see it. That And there's yeah, yeah. so many... All right, this is just for you people. You need to go watch, <laughs> go Onward, watch Onward and watch it in the lens of Moses, Moses and Aaron. Yes. Together, mm-hmm. it's uncanny. Yeah, it's yeah. really, watch really amazing. Watch that movie. So you get this victory-tragedy combination, and all those things are enveloped into Moses' story. So yeah. that really resonated yeah, I, with me. Yeah, I once heard, um, I can't remember who said this, but someone said, uh, as the cross is for the Christian narrative, so the splitting of the Red Sea was for the Jewish narrative. Chills. Um, yeah, it was like you know this moment that we're going to go back to, and we're going to remember this over and over again. God mm-hmm. delivers his people. He saves us. And, you know, that's why the Psalms are filled with recollections of the Red Sea. It's like, we remember what God did. Yeah. And you have to continue, even as believers now, to continue to go back to that story of, man, you know, this was one of the moments where the Lord showed up and proved who he was. Yeah, they had their back to a corner. Yeah, and, and, and the was. thing is, you know, he didn't have to do any mm-hmm. of that. It's it's who he is. Yep. You know, he goes, I'm, I'm bound by my character, and my character is to deliver... Deliver God's people. That's yeah. right, yeah, and... And to save and to show compassion, I love that. It's incredible. Yeah, can't get enough. Uh, what about let's let's switch from scripture, the yeah, less yeah. holy version, right, right, right. And uh, what about top three movies that you would go for right now? Everybody gets so intimidated by that question. They it's really do. They're like, one. I don't yeah. really know. Gosh, I'd have to think about it. And for <laughs> me, like I've had plenty of time to watch enough movies and kind of know exactly what I would say in this moment. Yeah, um, yeah. People yeah. people just say there's so many out there, but. Um, and it could change. I, I feel like for the past, like I'm, I'm in my 30s now, but for, for my 20s... It's not. You've made up your mind. I've, yeah, I'm you not going to change yet. Yeah. It, it remained consistent. And, you know, I, I would say those three are the n- number one. My number one of all time is Jaws, <clears throat> Steven Spielberg, 1975. First summer blockbuster of Dude, all time. Yeah, yeah, it changed a lot of things. Um, the Fellowship of the Ring, 2001. Oh, my word. And then uh, Memento by uh, Christopher Nolan. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was in 2002. I've yeah. known you <clears throat> for a long time now, yeah. 10 years, and yeah. I did not know that Memento was in your top three. It is, man. It 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 changed the way I watch movies. So all, wow. all three of those challenged me in the vein of just watching and absorbing storytelling. Jaws was special in its rugged ruggedness and incredible story and three lead characters. Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, I think, Similar, I mean, it's Tolkien, but like it taught me what going on an adventure oh, yeah. truly meant and trusting in that so process. Good. And then Memento was the filmmaking and storytelling experience challenged my way of thinking about linear storytelling. Yeah, and come <clears> on, <throat> Nolan. He's a time master. He is like, the it's, time master. It's insane. Unbelievable in the art of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, some some people are specifically good at storytelling and then cinematography and writing yeah. as well but his forte i mean clearly no one no one can tell a story yeah. the way he does what's so scary about his whole process is that his pre-production phase is so ironed out to the point where you can just go in and shoot something and it's basically done because you you'll you'll watch behind the scenes videos of him mapping out some of these narratives and these plot lines and i'm just like dude where in the yeah. world i've i've seen the one um 
where he's showing the timeline yeah, of Memento, yeah, yeah. Memento. Of how the movie's going to be shot. Yeah, it's a maze, and he treats it that way, but it's cool how it impacts and how the timelines are kind of just collapsing on each other, but they all work together in tandem somehow. It's, yeah, it's well, nuts. He's such a dork, Yeah, though. what a loser. What a dork. Who don't want to hang out with such a nerd? <laughs> he's made some decent movies, though. I got, I got to give him credit. A few. Yeah, he's yeah. doing okay for himself, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yep. So what about you? What are three go-to movies? I know you mentioned one, but yeah, you, or uh, a couple, actually. If, uh, <clears> if I was just going to watch three movies right now, these yeah. aren't my top three, uh, but I'm always down to watch Signs. Yes. I've, I think I've easily seen that movie over a hundred times. Mm-hmm. You remember um, seeing it in theaters? I do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I saw it in theaters with um, my friends, the Griners. They had four boys, and the Brush family had four boys as well. We hung out with them all the time. And uh, my friend, he did this... He did this weird tick oh whenever he would watch a scary movie where he would chew on like the <laughs> neck hem of his shirt. Yeah. And um, by the end of the movie, there was like this pool of He's saliva. He's got a river running down. All, all the way down. And his I have belly to tell button. my six year old son to stop chewing on his shirt. I'm like, what are Why you doing? Are stop you doing, doing that. It's disgusting. It's so gross. Um, I love that. Yeah. Your shirt will smell terrible. Yeah, you better yeah. watch it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm always down to watch Signs. Yep. Uh, Arrival would be another one by Denny Villeneuve. Yes. Um, he directed that movie. But. Uh, just an incredible story of what it means to engage with and communicate with something that is so beyond you mm-hmm. and so holy and separate it's and like the holy other. Of holies. Yeah, most mm. a lot of the movie takes place in this kind of holy of holies yeah. room where they're speaking with this species that is so. You should do an episode on that them. and signs. You better again. I'm not coming <laughs> back unless you do. We'll make some more time. Um, yeah, make it happen, yep. please. Uh, it. Lastly. Uh, 12 Angry Men. Oh, that is in my top 10 of yeah. all time uh, because it's the story of a boy accused of a crime and these you know 12 jury members hold his fate in their hands mm-hmm. and all of them but one are ready to just declare him guilty and get home for dinner. Yeah. And there's, there's only one guy who steps up as an advocate for him and says, I think he's innocent and I'm going to fight for him. Yeah. And uh, everyone... Everyone in the room hates him because right. they're like, dude, we got dinner plans. Can we just get home? He's clearly guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All there, this stuff. There's a pivotal moment too. Like, I mean, there's there's a an opposer, like a character who's yeah. like, let's just get out of here. Yeah. There's one adversary, and that's similar to what yeah, we experienced. Yeah, he's too. he's like the challenger, yeah. and you know, the advocate is clearly the Christ figure yeah. fighting for the boy's freedom. Yeah, it's a locked in um, kind of movie. For yeah, sure. and you know, a bottleneck movie where you know the whole thing's filmed in one room. Yeah. The whole time, and it's black and white. You think it would be super boring. But not at all. Oh, yeah, not at all. It's the, fantastic. The writing, the tension is so, so tense. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, I, we can unpack those potentially later. I mean, I'd hope so. And we'll we'll look at them through a gospel Definitely. lens and talk about them a little yeah. bit more. Um, but yeah. I, I love this process. I think it's crucial to um, any ministry, church, nonprofit, whatever, but especially here at Fellowship Greenville. And uh, in, in the process of doing that, we want to give you the chance uh, to share your story with us. You can go on online right now to uh, fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash share my story. Um, and that'll guide you through a sharing process with just a few simple questions. Um, I think there's like three or four that'll help guide you in that process. Um, and we recognize <clears throat> that there are sensitive stories, but we embrace transparency. Sorry. There are sensitive stories out there, but we embrace transparency uh, as a community of grace. And uh, we welcome your story as we're all a part of God's story of hope and redemption. Uh, proclaiming these life-changing moments connects us and makes us feel like we're family. Yeah, and sharing your story, right. it's not a promotion of self, but it's an act of continuous dependence yeah, on Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So you can go online right now, share at uh, fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash share my story. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon and sharing that testimony with others. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week. We'll see you next time.